There are no metrics. Okay? That's the trick. Right? That's the falsity. You don't measure your life's passage in metrics. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. It's hard to believe, but we are approaching our 90th episode as we enter our fifth year here at Reboot. This podcast has produced so many wonderful conversations on a wide array of topics, feelings, and insights. And we appreciate all of you following along in this journey. And we've resurfaced two episodes and newsletters that were our most popular a year ago. We wanted to rerun an offer again for you here in August. This first conversation is with Kay He, founder of Rad Reads. It bears an interesting twist regarding the drive behind his search for meaning and purpose. We hope you will enjoy this one again and perhaps garner new insights and perspectives on the second listen. Welcome again to the Reboot Podcast. I am Dan Putt. I have blood test results going back almost 10 years. I have activity, weight, and even sleep data going back at least two years. I've even tracked my workout routines, including the weights lifted, for the last four years. I will even admit to tracking my meditation minutes on my iPhone. Yes, I even track my meditation. So what is all of this for? Is it just because I like data? Well, I do actually like data. But what I'm learning about what's really driving this is fear. I am afraid of dying an unlived life. I saw my mom die young. She saw her mom and two siblings die young. And what I tell myself and others is that this health data is really my pursuit of an optimal life and my optimal health. And that is partially true. But what's really driving it is an attempt to control and prevent an unpreventable outcome, death. But here's what I'm learning. I can't optimize my way out of the fear, nor frankly, can I optimize and measure my way out of dying. And even worse, my attempt to optimize and measure this all away, the fear, the fixation on the prevention, actually means I miss the very happiness, fullness, aliveness, the metrics are meant to deliver. In an effort to not die, I prevent myself from fully living. When I heard our guest today, Kay, I immediately connected with his story in his own pursuit of optimization. A former successful investment banker turned entrepreneur Kay is finally facing head-on his fear of living a life without impact, one that he continually tries to control and prevent through optimization and measure. Jerry and Kay explore the powerful question in this discussion, what if the drive to engineer a perfect life through hacks and measurements actually produces the opposite result, causing you to miss out on the meaning and beauty of what's here? Enjoy. Anxiety is something that so many of our clients, and many of us here at Reboot, certainly myself included, have struggled with. Wanting to shed some light on how to free oneself from the grip of anxiety, we teamed up with Josh Roman, COO at Clarita's Mind Scientists, and Dr. Judson Brewer, who some of you may remember as a previous guest on our podcast. And with their help, we are excited to bring to you our newest self-guided email course. 
Over the course of five days, you'll spend some time differentiating between stress and anxiety and exploring how those work in the brain. You'll focus on the root causes of your anxiety and equip yourself to better understand how and when it shows up for you and what to do about it. We hope you'll join us for this rich learning experience so you can begin to shift out of it more easily, quickly, and harmoniously. To learn more and to sign up, head to reboot.io slash anxiety. Hey, Kay, how are you? It's really good to meet you finally after like following each other on Twitter for such a long time and, and really getting to know each other. But uh, it's great to see you. Great to meet you as well. And uh, I am... I'm honored and uh, a little bit nervous. <laughs> oh, oh, well, the honored, you don't have to worry so much about. And the nervousness, everybody gets a little nervous, so that's okay. So uh, before we get started, why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself? Great. Um, my name is Kay He. I'm in Dumbo, Brooklyn right now. I grew up in New York City and... Right now, I'm uh, an entrepreneur, and I'm the creator of Rad Reads. And Rad Reads started as a passion project mm. and an email newsletter. Mm. And it's kind of grown into a community, a global community, of people who are, what I, the way I describe it, kind of unclenching their hearts and expanding their minds. Mm. And so it was really, and, and really inspired by, by a lot of your work of that radical uh, self-inquiry. Mm. And um, it wasn't created by design per se, but I just started putting it out there. Mm. Um, it was, I had been in finance for 14 years and uh, investing in hedge funds, doing, you know, some of the similar work you were doing with, with Flatiron and, and um, I had a great career and things were going well. I was promoted at a very young age to managing director, but I was comfortably numb. Um, I wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't happy. I was just kind of meh. And um, it took, took me a little while, three or four years, to gather the courage uh, to leave. And uh, so I left in 2015. Uh, took some time to travel with my wife. Uh, I had a, a one-year-old daughter. At, at She was one at the time. And kind of got back and just started this writing, this newsletter. And people it just really started to resonate with people. And so now, fast forward a year, since a year and a half since that started, it's an email newsletter. It's a lot of my original writing um, the, um, the first entrepreneur in residence at courts where I write about productivity, work, the nature of work, work on some special projects. Uh, I organize events. I'm, I do a little bit of public speaking and actually a little bit of coaching to, uh, my peers, my ex peers mm -hmm. in the hedge fund industry. That's, that's a, that's a, I really relate and I know you know my story, <laughs> and the audience already knows my story. I'm not going to bore them with that again, but but uh, I really relate to the transition for you. And I'll take you back, to, if you don't mind, to that feeling of numbness. And you know, the the the, the phrase that popped into my mind was, um, and uh, actually, I'm going to take his picture down so the audience can't see this, but that's all right. I'll show it to you. So this guy in the black and white. Uh huh. Is Trumper Rinpoche, uh, okay, the, the founder of Naropa, 
who brought uh, a particular lineage of Buddhist teachings to the to the West, and he used to call that comfortable uh, numbness cocoon. Okay. And uh, it's so warm and cozy mm-hmm. to be in the cocoon. Yeah. Until we die. <laughs> because if we don't break out of it, right, we start to die. Yeah. And yeah. so there's, uh, so knowing that about you and knowing a bit of your history, what would be really helpful for you to talk through today uh, in this, in this chance? Yeah. Well, I think that you, you, there, there's one curveball there with the, the cocoon and knowing that we die. And my own mortality has always been something uh, that I've struggled with. So I would, I would put that on the, on the list, but it's actually something I've come to. I've had a better, uh, deeper and, and, and. Well, why don't you tell better. me about that? Okay. Um, let's see. Cause I clearly triggered something for you. Yes. Um, mm. so the first nightmare that I can remember having as a child mm. was, it was a little bit like the beginning of Star Wars where the, with kind of the infinite stars going. And there was some long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. And instead of the scrolling text, there was kind of this abstract, I think it was like a pebble, but Mm. it was, it it, it was an abstraction of my mind. Mm. I was probably seven, eight, nine years old. And it would just kind of slowly move, drift away and then ultimately disappear. And what it was, what it represented for me was that I was going to die and time is infinite. And I've always been a very linear thinker, kind of engin- computer science major, engineering, finance mindset, you know the type. Mm-hmm. And secular and Pe- people I, who like the knowable universe <laughs> and control and control. If I can write the right code and mm-hmm. build the right spreadsheet, then the world is in my grasp. Mm-hmm. And, but go ahead. And, mm-hmm. and so I just, I couldn't come to grips with the fact that you do all this stuff in your life mm-hmm. and then the light switch goes off and then you're propelled into this kind of infinite universe of time. And that was a long time ago. And I never really, I was, like I said, I was around seven, 10 years old. I never really verbalized that with anyone. And my twenties and probably part of my thirties were very much the life hacker mindset. I gave, I gave a Ted talk about this, uh, burpees and, like speed, speed reading and audiobooks at you know two and a half speed, and there's just never enough time. Oh, you must be a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. Yes, yeah. and and so I was just always sprinting, and you know the there's this quote I think it's by Dan Harris, and he said, "With one foot in the uh, one foot in the future and one foot in the past." You're pissing on the present. Amen, brother. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was pissing on a long portion 
of my adulthood, searching for that next thing on and on and on. And, um, and that dream kind of kept that dream nightmare kept, kept coming back. And it wasn't actually until I started working with, with my coach, um, you're my second coach <laughs> for the first time. Um, but my, my, my first coach, my, my IRL coach, and, um, I walked into her office the, the first, for our first session and I was just agitated and talking really quickly and talking about all these hacks. And she said, talking at two and a half times speed. <laughs> yes. My, my heart rate was, my heart rate is elevating. Just sharing that with you. Good. Um, and she said, why are you in such a rush? Mm. And I said, well, we're all going to die soon someday. So we better get cranking. Mm. And there's a whole, that, that, that really, she's like, okay, I know kind of how you just picked up on it. She picked up on it and she said, okay, this is, <laughs> I know where to begin with this guy. Um, and so, you know, I, I've made, I've made progress, um, in that, um, with that struggle. And a lot of it has been noticing behaviors that, that I did. Um, but a lot of it was, what was that, that Thing that I was looking for, that external validation. And one, there was a lot of tipping points, but one of them really was an introduction to the work of Ernest Becker. I'll admit it's a, it's a heavy book and it takes a long time to read, but just the introduction kind of shook me to, to my core where it really, where it states that this desire to, this fear of our own death makes us want to live a heroic life. And so you can almost, you try to create your immortality by building an amazing company, writing a book, having millions of Twitter, whatever the metric is for, for, for heroism. And, you know, that, that really, you know, at that time, this was before I really started the newsletter and the blog. And I said, I was going to start a FinTech company. Mm. You know, because I was a hedge fund guy. Makes sense. I knew computers. <laughs> right, right. A plus B equals C. Right. And, um, you know, I had this moment with myself, which was a combination of a lot of these conversations and reflections, where I just said to myself, in my own head, I don't really want to do finance anymore. And there's the whole sunk cost fallacy there's the expectation of, well, you can't just not do That's you. You're good at it. So, so was that your cocoon? Um, my, my cocoon was, I guess the, I guess it was twofold. It was the comfort of financial stability and never having to really worry about money and I'm, and I'm touching wood right now. Well, now as an entrepreneur, I, I think about money a lot, um, but never really having to, to, to think about money because I had a high paying job. But the second was external validation. It's like my, I felt good about my LinkedIn profile. You felt good about your LinkedIn profile. 
Yes. So what was the problem? You had a you had a great LinkedIn profile. Everything was good, right? Yeah. It um I was let's see. Um an inability to be present. Mm. You were pissing on the present. I was pissing on the present at the moment when I had the most precious gift of the presence, mm. a child. Mm. What's um, her name? Her name is Soraya. Mm-hmm. What's your wife's name? Uh, Lisa. Mm-hmm. And, and so just side tangent on, on, on my wife, who's just an amazing supporter of everything and just an amazing partner. Uh, she listens to so many of your podcasts during our car, our long car. We drive to Pittsburgh a lot to visit family. And so can, we, can I put on Jerry? <laughs> it's not always yes, but she's heard, she's heard a lot of podcasts by, by osmosis, I guess. Uh, but she, she, she too is, is a big fan. Um, but uh, so yes, what, what was missing um, was your question pissing on the present and not, not having real meaning in what I was doing. Uh, there was a lot of, as an investor, just moving money from column A to column B and people get wealthier institutions, make a, make a financial return. But I just, there wasn't, I guess it comes back to, to the tombstone test, right? I, I guess I keep bringing it back to the same thing. Is like, well, you keep bringing it back to death. Yeah, it's like I'm on my on my tombstone. Did I want to be remembered for having generated, you know, LIBOR plus seven hundred basis points for X investors over my lifetime? Mm-hmm. And what was the answer? The answer, you know, there was, there was more to it as well in the sense that I'm going to, I'm going to replay some, a lot of the concepts that, that I've learned from you was, um, wearing the mask, mm-hmm. the mask of, there was the, 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 the male kind of patriarchal mask that, mm-hmm where you always have the right answer you're you know everything you can control your emotion showing emotion is weakness Mm -hmm. um there was there was that element Mm -hmm. um but i also just there wasn't a lot of love and care um in the industry it's not that people were mean to each other but they're just I, I really wanted to be in a place where there was genuine care between um, different business units and and colleagues and and I, and I say love and I don't say it mm-hmm. um, kind of tongue in cheek that 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 true caring for for people um, as uh, as individuals and and I think that it. I wasn't personally finding that, uh, and I wanted to bring that in my work every day, genuine, vulnerable connections with people 
Um, and it, it, you know, it's kind of, you turned on your, your finance switch and then you turned it off when you got home and mm. gets kind of confusing when, when, when you're doing that. Yeah. So in my parlance, the, the inside of you wasn't matching the outside of you. Right. And so, you know, with this year long break and then the, the launch of rad reads, and really the new life you've created for yourself, you've moved closer towards alignment and, yes. and congruity. But I want to bring your attention to something. Okay. Okay. You with me? I'm with you. Okay. So we keep describing this as something that's going on in the past. Mm-hmm. And when we were communicating via email, I asked you what would to give some thought to some of the things that you would want to talk to. And I'm going to read to you some lines okay. from that email. You said, as a solo entrepreneur, I'm really scared. And then you listed a bunch of things to be scared about, like, should I take external capital or grow a team? But I just want you to hold on this notion. As a solo entrepreneur, I'm really scared. You relate to that feeling. I mean, these are your words. Second item. And I love that you listed this as items. <laughs> Linear thinker. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't get my best energy. My personal energy waterfall seems to be self, fitness, meditation, self-care, work, daughter, wife. Loosely in that order. I preach a lot about what's important, but not urgent. But I find that challenging to implement. Lastly, presence. Despite a healthy meditation and reflective practice, I'm still always, always thinking about ideas and people in my network. Ways to improve. So, uh, hearing your words read back to you, thinking about that somewhat speeded up breathless mm-hmm. description. What occurs to you? There. So the, the the first layer that it always seems to go. So if I, if that it always seems to come back to is a financial, a fear of financial worry. Uh, and that is in a way how I trick myself in that personal waterfall mm-hmm. where you can always say, well, I could do a little bit more work. Mm-hmm. And so I can put off these, these other important priority, important people in my life, person in my life, mm-hmm. because we need, we need to eat. We need shelter. Okay, now uh, I'm going to cause a little yeah. cognitive dissonance. Bring your yeah. attention to your breath. Yeah. I want you to notice something. Where is your voice in your body? There's three or four different places it can be. Where is your voice? It's uh, like 
higher pitched, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to consciously bring your voice down into the bottom of your diaphragm. Mm-hmm. All right. You feel the difference? Yeah. Now, tell me again about this, quote, fear of financial worry. That was the phrase you used. Yeah. What, what two words jump out at you? Fear of financial worry. Worry. Worry and fear are related. Mm-hmm. Bring your attention to the fact that you lived in a world of uh, hedge funds and finance. And even today, you're an entrepreneur in residence at Quartz, early stage venture firm. And, and, and that previous world was dissatisfying to you. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. then you made this change mm-hmm. and you broke out of the comfortable numbness that you were in. Mm-hmm. Comfortable, I imagine, financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncomfortable in other ways. And here we are, comfortable, but still a bit uncomfortable. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's possible, Kay, that the issue isn't changing the outer surface of where you do what you do. Mm -hmm. The issue may be a little bit deeper. Yeah. Does that have resonance? Right. You've, you've swapped. See, this is, I love life hackers. (laughs) Cause you all think that if you get, if you add coconut oil and grass fed butter to your coffee, somehow you're going to smooth out the addiction of caffeine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You all think that suffering is just something that needs to be figured out. Mm-hmm. And then what? Made to go away. Mm-hmm. If I can only figure out a balance between all of these things then Lisa will be happy. Mm-hmm. Does this have resonance? Yeah, and it, it does. And I, th- I think the doing the breathing. Yeah, good. Slow it down. There. So. I might not directly answer your question, but I'm going to share the first thought that comes to mind. Even better. First thought, best thought. Go ahead. (laughs) Is that when, as a finance person, the metrics of doing well Mm -hmm. professionally were relatively clear. Promotions Mm -hmm. and bonuses and all that stuff. As a solo entrepreneur, especially in a, with not a clearly defined product or business that's Mm -hmm. kind of figuring it out as I go along, Mm -hmm. the metrics, I don't even know what they are. And so I see if I play back my inner monologue where I'm not being the present husband that I want to be, is that I'm trying to, A, figure out what the metric is, 
Right. And then B, get it. Right. And so what's the true answer? Not what's the correct answer. What's the true answer? Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> there are no metrics. Okay. That's the trick. Right. That's the falsity. You don't measure your life's passage in metrics. Yeah. Right. Uh, I haven't ever done this before, but I'm going to ask you to read something and I'm going to pass it to you now. It's a word document. Got it. And what I'd like you to do is read that slowly from that belly in your stomach place. From that voice in your belly place. Okay. The whole thing. The whole thing. Okay. All I do know is as we age, the weight of our unsorted baggage becomes heavier, much heavier. With each passing year, the price of our refusal to do that sorting rises higher and higher. Maybe I'd cut myself loose one too many times depended on my unfailing magic act once too often, drifted that little bit too far from the smoke and mirrors holding me together. Or I just got old, old enough to know better. Whatever the reason, I'd found myself once again stranded in the middle of nowhere. But this time, the euphoria and delusions that kept me oiled and running had ground to a halt. Long ago, the defenses I built to withstand the stress of my childhood, to save what I had of myself, outlived their usefulness, and I've become an abuser of their once life-saving powers. I relied on them to wrongly isolate myself, seal my alienation, cut me off from life, control others, and contain my emotions to a damaging degree. Now the bill collector is knocking and his payment will be in tears. In all psychological wars, it's never over. There's just this day, this time, and a hesitant belief in your own ability to change. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. How do you feel reading that? Um, it's, it's, it's similar feeling to when I read the uh, parts of the Tao Te Ching. When I asked, it's like, did I write that? <laughs> or did the person in my head, the, uh, the person who re read my brain scan write that? Right. Um, I, I see, I think the, the first thing mm. that jumped out was defenses I built to withstand the stress of my childhood. Right. So, your wish for the metrics is your magic act. It's your illusion. And we love it. But it's a defense that you'd built to withstand your childhood. You talked about the masks and the references that I've made to masks. Well, behind that mask is another mask, and behind that mask is another mask, and behind that mask is yet another mask. Yeah. And we wear all those masks to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as Springsteen talks about, there comes a point when the unsorted baggage of our life 
knocks on the door, if you will, to mix the metaphor. And the bill collector comes and the payment's in tears. The clue isn't, or the answer doesn't lie in figuring out what the metric is in order for you to be present for your wife or present for your life, to stop pissing on the now. The clue is to understand what it is that you're so damned afraid of. Mm -hmm. What are you afraid of, Kay? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of not having... Not having done something that mattered. Mm. You're afraid of dying an unlived life. Yeah. Does that resonate? It does. But I think that... I don't even know what... What it is that I want, you know, it's, if, if I, yes, I, I am afraid of that, but I, I can't pin, I can't, I don't know what that would even mean. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm more afraid of not knowing what, it's like a double afraid. It's like not having lived a meaningful life, but not knowing what a meaningful life even means. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, I guess it feels like a double whammy in that regards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you fast forward to your death. And that little boy who had that dream, seeing his essence, his consciousness, perhaps, in this endless, timeless horizon, and realizing that at some point, it, this current incarnation will no longer exist. And the fear is that at that moment in time, the meaningful life will not have been lived. Compounding that fear is the uh, current crazy-making sensation that you don't even know what it is that you're not living. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? What are you not experiencing while you're so worried about not knowing what a meaningful life is. Your life, as it is, right now. Soraya's life, Lisa's life, right there, right now, right in front of you. There is no outside. There is no place other than this place right now. See, I love Dan Harris's 10% Happier book. Dan Harris is a great friend. The challenge with that quote, the other half of that quote is that there is no past and there is no future. There is only the present. And so when all you are 
doing is fixated on what will happen and hopefully at the end of the future, it'll have been meaningful. You'll have missed, mm-hmm. right? In the pursuit of the metrics, you'll have missed the happiness that it does, that the metrics are designed to deliver. Mm-hmm. You kind of corner yourself. And I all, feel that. All in the bid to be afraid. And you thought for sure it had to do with working in the hedge fund industry. Mm-hmm. But here you are. You've got financial security and you've created a great job for yourself. And yet the gnawing sense that it's not perfect is still there. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with this? This is where I'm lost. Because <laughs> mm. I've had the coaches. I've done the meditation, the mm. journaling, mm. I the writing. Mm. It's, I, I kind of laugh because I, I share my journey and try to be helpful and inspiring to, to others. And, and see what lessons they can take. <laughs> and then looking, looking back, it's like, wow, these are the things that I think, the thing that, that I guess the things that I, maybe that's the, the, the wrong construct is that there is something you should be doing. Yes. Here's, here's some advice for you. It's a poem called Lost. By David Wagner. Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Must ask it permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen. It has answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, Here, no two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. If what a tree or a bush does it lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. The answer is to stand still. The answer to being present is to stand still and listen and breathe and catch Soraya in a smile. Catch the little tear glistening in Lisa's eye. Catch the smell of Soraya when you've just given her a fresh bath. Or when she snuggles next to you and says, Daddy, read me a book. 
Tell me about the metrics then. Tell me about the hacks then. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There is no perfect place out there to get to. There is only here. How do you reconcile that with, forget entrepreneurship, just work? Where there's only, I guess, the disconnect between only here and obviously when you're doing some work, it's for some future mm, is it? benefit. Is it? I'll tell you a story. Okay. I had a hard night last night. I had a migraine. I grew up with migraines. My migraines are psychosomatic, meaning that there's always something to them. In this case, I've been working these last couple of days with my deep, profound sense of anger and rage, which I often pretend doesn't exist. But I've come to understand it's kind of Hulk-like, sits on my left shoulder, ready to swing into action, Hulk smash. And Hulk's been really, really agitated these last few days. So much so that this morning when I was boxing, I had to stop and vomit, not once, but twice, because I was hitting the bag so hard. Finally, one of the boxing coaches said, get in the ring, because she could see where I was. And I started hitting a friend of mine who was wearing all sorts of protective gear. I may have cracked a rib. And in the final blow that I threw, I burst into tears and collapsed on the ground in the bottom of the ring and burst into tears. That was 7.30, 8 o'clock this morning. Okay. Now that guy was a mess. This guy with you, we just had an awesome coaching session. Because I was here with you. And that guy who was in such pain this morning, I love and honor him. But the work in the present is healing. You're not a long-term coaching client. There's no remuneration going back and forth. You're not paying for anything. Sure, I guess we're creating a podcast and someday, but who knows? I mean, maybe I'll do, I'll screw up the recording of this. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Being here with you, reminding you of what Soraya smells like after a bath or what, remember when she would nuzzle into your shoulder as you put into bed? Okay, my daughter is 24. I will never forget that feeling of holding her entire body in my hand. The awesome fear and fragility and possibility implicit in all of that. And being here with you brought all of that back to me. And I don't have a migraine anymore. 
So tell me again about work being for the future. I think the biggest change that, that I've seen in my work mm. from the hedge fund to Rad Reads is when I write, it, the pieces come out of me. Yes. The, the writing comes out of me. Yes. Um, when I host events, it's, it's just friends. That yes. I, I'm just, they're, they're full of love. And I feel that. 80% of the time, right. right. 20% of the time. It's like the, like in the quote that you had yeah. me read, you know, the bill collectors coming Yeah. and maybe, maybe it's this belief that it can't be enjoyable. It can't yes. all be enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Listen, listen, Kay, you got to get serious. You got to get down to work. What's the matter with you? Work is a four-letter word. You can't actually enjoy every single moment unless you're building towards something other than the moment that you're in. Okay? So it's not just fear, but there's that voice. And, and you're breathing shallowly. You know that voice, don't you? Mm-hmm. Listen, and it comes back to the meaning. It's like, it, yes. Oh, so, so we substitute. Oh, this is brilliant. This is a great <laughs> jujitsu move. We substitute the pursuit of money for the pursuit of meaning. Mm -hmm. So money no longer becomes a defense against annihilation. Meaning yeah. becomes a defense against uh, annihilation. Um, you, you nailed it. I mean, that is... And you feel almost back at square one. <laughs> well, that guy that I quoted before, Trumper Rinpoche, coined the term spiritual materialism. Spiritual materialism. I'm going to go through life collecting all sorts of namaste-like moments. Because not me. I don't go through life collecting Mercedes-Benz. Or Rolex watches. Right? It's the same fucking thing. It's all a defense against annihilation. Mm -hmm. That nightmare. That nightmare. And you, my friend, have to learn to follow what happens to that essence as it disappears into the timeless horizon. And is it, is it just acceptance? Is it, ah. it clear? I, I know not to fight it <laughs> or maybe the cognitive dissonance in me knows not to fight it. I'm probably still fighting it. What is the feeling behind your question? Jerry, what's the answer? Jerry, what's the answer? <laughs> Jerry, what's the answer? Isn't that the point of this podcast? <laughs> yeah, to give answers. Yeah. 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 What's the metric? What's the hack? 
There is just the present moment. There is just the present moment. You know what's at the end where that essence disappears into timelessness? The thing you've been looking for. Presence. Maybe the reason it's so hard for you to find is because you're scared of having it. So rather than face the fear of actually being present to your life, you construct materialistic means to be present to your life. Mm-hmm. Which is that spiritual materialism. materialism. It's like, it's crystal. It's, it's like hedge fund. And it, it feels... It feels so good, but that unsettled feeling is still there. Yes. It's not as powerful. Right. It's not as loud, but it's still there. Because it's spiritual materialism. Yeah. Right? It's hacking materialism. Mm -hmm. So, but this is good. This is really good. Because breaking through cocoon life is really hard. Mm-hmm. And our our impulse is to always go into cocoon. So we break out of cocoon and we go back into cocoon and we break. Oh, wait, it's like breathing mm-hmm. in and out and in and out. And that is the spiritual practice of our life. That is our life. There's an old uh, uh, Buddhist saying, which is before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Okay? Life is chop wood, carry water. There is no hacking our way from chopping wood and carrying water. There is only the present. And trust me, I try. I try still to this day. But you're always going to come back to it. How do you recenter as you're trying? One way is to connect with someone else. The power of compassion. I don't do what I do for some distant future. I do what I do for the moment in which I see a young man who I, whom I admire from afar who nervously looks to me for guidance. And I feel a connection across Skype to this young guy in Brooklyn. That's what I do to center myself. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes full circle because it's the work. It's the, the work. work. Yes, with a capital W. It's the work of our lives. It's a sacred, sacred act. And I don't care if you do the work in a hedge fund or a bakery or a startup or a nonprofit. You're just as capable of pursuing spiritual materialism there as you are in finding meaning in whatever the work is. Is that helpful? I'm a bit at a loss for words, but 
it, I'm, I'm processing. <laughs> it's like the hacker in me is processing. It's like, but if X, then Y, but no, not Y, like back to, you know, W. Beautiful. But I, Beautiful. But, so, so a word of advice on that. Keep noticing the hacker mindset kicking in. Eventually, the hacker mindset will, the impulse to that mindset will diminish over time. And then you can love it and blow it a kiss and tell it it's okay. So here's your homework. Okay. I want you to read to your daughter tonight. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to read something that's going to improve her language skills or any <laughs> such fucking nonsense. I want you to make her laugh. How old is she now? Three? Four. Three. Yeah. Yeah. What's her favorite book? Right now, it's um, Nanette's Baguette. Nice. Nice. I want you to snuggle with her. I want you to read that book. And then I want you to sit with Lisa and take a breath. Do you think you can do that? (laughs) I'm laughing because in my mind, I'm thinking writing. If I had to write a 700 word blog post, that would be actually easier. I know. And so does she. Yeah, I got you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I want to thank you for inviting me into your heart. Thank you, Jerry. This is... This is... I'm a bit lost at a loss for words, but just I want, the feeling is mutual. Mm. The amount of respect um, that I have for for your work, and really, it's even before we met, mm. it has meaningfully, meaningfully changed my life. Mm. So thank thank you for that, and know that your work. Forget the quotes, forget the capitalization, just the work. Mm. Um, is is really something special that impacts people. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I will take that compliment in and take that gratitude in, and uh, it does help me. So thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations. And... Leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? Eric Jacobs, Vice President of Product Development at Total Joint Orthopedics, Inc. The most obvious direct application of it was trying to view both the folks that report to me directly, laterally, and then 
my boss, the president of the company, that fundamentally we're all people and that we bring our incompleteness to work every day. And being able to step back from when like personality conflicts or communication deficits arise and being able to step back and ask, why are we miscommunicating? Oh, well, okay. There's probably a reason beyond I'm doing a bad job or they're a bad person. Like neither of those are true. So what is the more true thing going on? Oh, actually my boss is getting crushed this week with phone calls, appointments, and travel. And the super short reply that I got was not because she was being rude on purpose, but that, oh, there's 20 million other things going on and I am one of them. And that ability to like stop and step back, we went through that over and over in the circle of like, no statements, only questions, and no judgments. Oh, okay. And as like a process, that's really helpful to then turn and apply internally to the company. Like, what is actually going on here at a human level? Because that's what we are. Consider joining a Reboot Circle. Our Circle's participants have called their circle their secret weapon. You'll gain more self-awareness, and you'll know you're not alone in the challenges you face day to day. You'll find the same level of self-inquiry in a coach-facilitated cohort with six other leaders just like you. Apply at reboot.io slash circles.